Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet. Not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Before we delve into the content of this week's episode, we're really quickly going to run through the itinerary so you're all well aware and familiar uh, with what we're going to be discussing on this week's pod. So we're going to start off with the racist incident um, that Balotelli suffered uh, in Italy. We're then going to move on to uh, Lukaku and Conte um, and Inter Milan's prospects for the league this year. We're then going to discuss the uh, recent sacking of Niko Kovac at um, Bayern Munich and discuss who could be uh, be potential suitors for that role uh, uh, and and fill the gap. Um, We're also going to be speaking about uh, international managers and uh, their chances for the top domestic uh, jobs. We're then going to review the uh, games for this weekend. We're going to start off with Chelsea and have a bit of a deep dive into Chelsea, Lampard and their prospects for uh, this season before then reviewing all of the rest of the Premier League fixtures this past weekend. We're then going to have uh, the segment on the um, uh, unpopular opinion uh, and then we're going to round off with the prospect of the week. Stay tuned. Hello listeners and welcome back to yet again another episode of the Beautiful Game podcast. As always, I'm your host Budge, joined by my faithful two co-conspirators Dot and Dej. Gents, how's it going? I'm good Budge, man. How are you? I'm, I'm very well, very well. Of course, of course, of course. How about you, Dej? Yeah, I'm very well, man. Feels like we ain't recorded in ages, yeah, you know. Yeah, Obviously, yeah. you know, we had an away leg, you know, last week. Of but, course. And yeah. we're back in the studio, back, back on home soil, man. man. A home soil, rather. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're also joined by uh, Pep's uh, personal pillow cushion. Pen um <laughs> Fresh, welcome. <laughs> welcome to the pod. Fresh, welcome. Welcome. You guys have been asking for me, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm here to defend Pep. Isn't it? So, you got to say? Protector, protector, Liverpool detractor. Of course. <laughs> and, and we're also uh, in 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 good company because we have um, a very special guest in Liam Toomey. So he's uh, currently a Chelsea reporter at the Athletic. 
He was previously at ESPN as a Chelsea correspondent and interestingly has also worked as a market operator at Betfair, uh, managing <laughs> in play Boy, you deep, deep, on, uh, deep, on football matches. So I think, I, think, I think it's really interesting when, you know, we, we, we get to interview people that have come from very rounded mm. backgrounds, you know. Mm. So, what you know. have I got myself into? <laughs> 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 right, so without further ado, we welcome him. Welcome, 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 welcome. Thanks, guys. Cool. Right. So we're going to get straight into it. Um, let's start off with an incident that happened very recently. Um, yesterday, in fact, uh, over in Italy. Um, so Verona were playing uh, Brescia at home. And, and what we saw was uh, Balotelli um, suffer um, some race, what, some racial abuse from some of the fans um, uh, from Verona. Uh, he, he says that, that he um, that they were making sort of monkey chants um, and, and it came from a particular section of, of the stadium. He, of course, um, angrily reacted by uh, kicking the ball into the stands. Um, the game was suspended for four minutes mm. um, and the Verona players were actually convincing him to continue on in the game. Mm. Um, they did continue. He did continue and managed to score a consolation. Of mm. course, it would have made for better headlines if he managed to score a winner or something. Did you see the goal um, as well? The yeah, it was, it, was, it was a really, really good goal. Um, but I guess there are so many talking points around this particular incident. Um, I mean, you know, one of them being the fact that, you know, the, the players could have shown a bit more solidarity in terms of work, work, walking off with him as opposed to convincing him to, to, to continue on with the game. Um, after the game... The Verona manager, Ivan Juric, uh, said in his post, post-match uh, presser that nothing happened, essentially. Um, <laughs> and apparently he had spoken to the fourth official and the fourth official confirmed that nothing happened either. Um, and then the Brescia manager, so Balotelli's own manager, um, um, Eugenio Carini, he basically came out and said, oh, you know, he probably heard something and then became emotional. So, I mean... I, I, I guess that's not exactly a vote of confidence from yeah. from your manager. You know, you want the the, the club and, and and the and you know the people who are representing the club to come out and you know just reaffirm their stance on the matter and yeah. and, and on the issue and say you know what you know our players has has has, has suffered this um, just to make it clear we don't stand for this so on and so forth. But that wasn't actually what happened. Um, so I just I wanted to open this out to the floor and ask you guys what your thoughts were on it. Liam, do you do you want to kick things off? Yeah, I mean, not surprised, mm. sadly. But I think it's the level of willful um, obliviousness in Italian football is what stands out to me. Mm. We, we, this isn't the first example, obviously, in mm-hmm. Serie A, but it, it never ceases to be astonishing to me just how little acknowledgement there is that this is commonplace. And I think mm. it comes from the fact that the ultras in Italian football just have way too much power. Mm-hmm. I think clubs don't want to take them on. I think the Italian football authorities don't want to take them on, especially because I think there's a, a wider attendance problem in Italian football. I think there's a disproportionately large number of people that actually watch Serie A games are the ultras and they are the ones that generate the atmosphere. So I think they have that power and they exploit it. Now, obviously, I'm not saying that all ultras are doing this because mm-hmm. they're not, but... Mm-hmm. That it's clearly, you know, this came from the curva. That's what um, Balotelli said. And it's happened at other clubs. We saw even last week or the week before, you know, the 
um, the fascist salutes from Lazio fans walking through yeah, Glasgow. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's a, it's not just racism; it's fascism as well. But there, there's a, a big, big problem in Italian football, yeah. and, and racism is a huge problem in every country, not just football in society. But yeah. it's got to the stage in Italian football where I I admire any black player that goes there, but I kind of I'm surprised really that black players are still doing this. I saw Denver Bar um, tweet actually about a month ago, I think. Um, saying why do black players go, go to Italy it's true mm-hmm. and I, I think it's a valid question at this point because it's not even the, the racism that's happening there is happening elsewhere mm. but it's, it's so- not even just that it's going unchecked it's going completely unacknowledged mm. I find that stunning <laughs> in 2019 I find that stunning and the other thing that annoys me is that um, I know Pat Nevin quite well oh, yeah, at Chelsea yep. Yep. and he was obviously teammates with Paul Canneville yeah, Paul's great. I've dealt with him a few yeah. times. But after Paul was viciously racially abused by his own fans during his Chelsea career, there was one game, I forget which game, Pat Nevin came out afterwards um, to sort of do a media huddle. And before the journalist said anything, he said, before you ask me anything, I want to say that was completely out of order. You know, he basically publicly castigated the fans for yeah. what they'd done to his teammate. Yeah. And I don't understand why yeah. in 2019... A white player standing up for his black teammate is still an anomaly. Yeah. Why does this not happen more? Yeah. These are your friends. These yeah, are your teammates. teammates. Why are you not walking off with them? Why are you not coming out afterwards and saying this is an absolute disgrace? Because mm. it may not directly affect you, but it, it does affect you. Mm. You know, you live in you have to live in the same mm. environment. Mm. And it must disgust you as much as as much as it disgusts everyone else. Yeah. For me it's a it's a it's a cancer. I describe it as a cancer. I just feel that in Italy, everyone's doing everything they can to not see the problem. Yeah. And I mean, the scenes yesterday, they were disgusting. And the most worrying thing for me was that the Balotelli's teammates were like, oh, why are you trying to walk off yeah. the pitch? Like stopping him. And I feel that everyone needs to come together because this cancer needs to be nipped yeah. in the butt. I think I think there's not not many characters left in football. Mm. If I want to say like, mm. I think, I don't know if it was a thing back in the 90s or something, when someone decided to do something mm. the whole team or the whole club will back them I don't know if that was a thing back mm. in the 90s that's not a thing now maybe mm. not on racism but other issues mm. as well yeah. mm-hmm. but I think that's what needs to happen you're right for... as you said as you said obviously it's a cancer I agree with you Dot but um, Italy has a big big problem with this issue yeah. we saw a few weeks ago in England I know we've got issues here as well but in the non-league Yovo and Harrogate mm. Borough you know a player was racially abused and, you know, the teammates walked off the pitch. And even Yovo said, you know what? We're standing in solidarity with mm-hmm. you. But in Italy, there's this yeah. ignorance. There's this, mm. they're unwilling to accept nothing what's going happened. on. Yeah, nothing happened. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's like a blind... Much ado about like, nothing, apparently. It's like they're encouraging mm. the racists. And when you see, yeah. like, a figure like Bonucci come out and say it's 50-50... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. 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 These aren't helping the situations. The situations yeah. And mm. even Lukaku, he's gone over to Italy. He's it's, been racially abused. But he seems to be, like, on a one-man crusade challenging them saying what when he scores he always mm. puts his hands to the crowd like, that, what, that's, that's an interesting one correct me if I'm wrong I think Koulibaly had an incident this weekend as well yeah, yeah. as well mm. play was suspended he's had one as well. before as well yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah I mean the, the, uh, the Lukaku one in particular is interesting because you know we were just talking about you know uh, what you know? What what incentive really do black players have to go and and, and play in Italy why would anyone want to um, and I guess as things stand um, for, for him, uh, it, it, you know, it, it, it's working well. I mean, he's, he, like you said, he's on a one-man crusade. 
and he's he's you know hit a, a, bit, a bit of a purple patch. You know, mm-hmm. he's scoring goals. I think he's got nine and ten. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So whilst he's scoring the goals, he's like silencing the critics. Mm-hmm. What if though? You know, he 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 comes past this sort of purple patch, and he doesn't. He's not. He goes for a period where he's not scoring the goals. Um, does it become that much more difficult to 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 deal with and bear the the, the abuse that that he you know he he'd be receiving? It's, it it is, sounds like so warped to say it, but I think the better you're doing as a black player, mm-hmm. the more racist abuse you're gonna suffer. Mm-hmm. I feel that. Again, they were saying that they do it because they want to put you off your game. Mm-hmm. They see Lukaku knocking in the goals and they're like, you're black. So no matter how much you score, I'm better than you. Mm-hmm. You understand mm-hmm. where I'm coming from? Mm-hmm. Fair point. Yeah, I just think Lukaku, um, it says a lot about his mentality for me mm-hmm. to go to Italy. Obviously, first and foremost, he wanted to go and play for Antonio Conte. Mm-hmm. I think we all remember when Conte was at yeah, Chelsea, he wanted, wanted him for a specific mm-hmm. system. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing, you know, Lukaku bear the fruits of that. Mm-hmm. You know, I've watched him at Inter Milan. He looks totally <laughs> lean. Yeah, he, he looks, looks half fit. the man that, you know, left England mm-hmm. yeah. before he looked, you know, overweight and, you know, ponderous. But mm-hmm. for Inter Milan, he's their sharp shooter. Yeah, he's the yeah. man they rely on. He's getting and when, yeah, and when, you, when you see him score, you see him run over to Conte. There's that yeah, camaraderie that... I'm yeah, doing this for you. Yeah, you trust yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. You place that belief that, in me. So that's yeah, what, that's what be... it's like in football as well. Like when you have a manager that believes in you mm. and only that wants you, mm. usually bear the fruits of that. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Definitely. That. So I think that's what's happening with Lukaku. Conte wanted him at mm. Chelsea, and he's got him now at Inter, and we're seeing the positives from it. Mm. Well, that's that's the frustrating thing about all of this is for Lukaku, that should be 100% of the conversation. That should be all that really matters yeah, yeah, is yeah. the football. Yeah. Of course. But he's got to deal with Do all this other yeah. stuff. No deal. And yeah. when he... And I think the first racist incident he he dealt with was, what, his first or second game? It was really early, wasn't it? Mm. And the Inter ultras, or at least... I, be careful not to say it was all of the Inter ultras. It was a statement from like a, a subgroup or something. Mm. <laughs> They were saying, basically excusing the rival ultras that had abused him, saying, "Oh, they they're not being racist, like you said. They're just <laughs> they're just fight, using it against you, like it's fair game." Yes, yeah, there fair, seems to be a cultural thing in Italy, in Italy, particularly where it's viewed as fair game to say anything, <laughs> anything to try and yeah. put off a player. <laughs> I mean, well, it goes without saying, racism is never fair game. Yeah. But like, yeah. it, it's bizarre the culture there, and it's. It's, it's, really, it's really worrying. Yeah, yeah and it's really worrying that's being allowed to carry on, like we said, unchallenged. Mm. No, absolutely. Now, on, on a wider scale, so not just looking at Conte and, and, and Lukaku, but Inter as a whole and, and where they fare in, in the league this season, um, you know, they're, they're, they're performing well, they're scoring goals, they, they look, you know, they, they really mean business this, this season. Um, do, do you feel that Juve will continue to have a stranglehold in the league, or do you feel like you know, uh, Inter this season could potentially uh, topple them. I, I, I thought Inter would win the league I, at the start of the season purely because I rate Conte that highly. Mm. And I How think highly it, do you rate him as a manager, Conte? I, I think he's, yeah, top five tactically in the world in terms of improving individual players and actually <laughs> was he trying to <laughs> he didn't want to say top five in the world he said was he trying to... no I think he's a top five manager in the world okay, he's yeah, a terrible yeah. politician <laughs> and that's why that's why he ultimately failed at Chelsea because yeah. he couldn't manage relationships yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah. well enough yeah. but in, in just in terms of improving players and setting up Tactic, a team to yeah. win he's, he's brilliant yeah, yeah. He's, there are very few better 
fair, fair point. I think that would be a very, very it's interesting It's going to be interesting one. tussle because when I've watched Inter and Juve this season, Inter look the more cohesive unit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you see Juventus, it's more of individuals. Brilliant. Yeah. 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 I kind of, Ronaldo. Mm, I've watched Juventus. Yeah. I watched their last game against Juve- Torino. But their performance against... disjointed. Are they playing Sarri ball? Yeah. No, they're no, they're not. Let's be careful here. I think their performance against Inter Milan was was truly amazing. I mean, to go to the San Siro and put on a show, that was Sarri ball at his best. I think mm. Juve have got always had that brilliance. They've got the, they've got the brilliance. Inter... Remember where they've come from? They're a team that was like fourth or third. Mm, they, yeah, yeah, they haven't been that top top team for many years. Mm. So now, looking at them challenging Juventus out of nowhere, it's, it's, yeah. it's only, it can only be... I, yeah, I don't think they'll be able to navigate the title running pressure. I think they need, you know, they're in the embryonic stages. That's what Conte is about. This is what Conte does. Yeah, took, yeah, took, I think at Chelsea, they're already a mature team. I think this Inter Milan, I think they're a bit wet behind the ears, to be honest. Maybe, no, but he, he you, took Juve from seventh to the title as well yeah, when he took see, them over. Mm, mm. Yeah, I think Juventus, <laughs> when I saw them... <laughs> the stranger thing even Chelsea, Chelsea, they finished 10th. I watched them against Torino over the weekend and... You know, Ronaldo, like there was no real pressure from the front. Mm-hmm. The baller was out of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, they brought on Rams. It seems like a just a mishmash. Yeah, they're players. just frying all the players yeah, together. Players, right, we've yeah. got names. We're yeah, going to play. We're meant to blow you yeah. off the park. Even, even, they've been struggling the in games. Looks amazing, even Juventus, they don't even. They've got weekend. numbers all mm. over the gaff. They haven't got enough people in for the Champions League numbers. I think. Emery can yeah, was left, yeah, yeah. left out. So they, you can see that they don't have a plan. They're just <laughs> throwing everyone together and just guessing, basically. Yeah. Fair point, fair point. Right, so we're going to leave Italy now and we're going to travel over to uh, to Germany um, because there, there, there's there been some uh, recent developments over at Bayern Munich. Um, Niko Kovac uh, was sacked as, as the Bayern uh, manager after a 5-1 drubbing at the hands of Eintracht Frankfurt. Um now, I guess what I want to ask you guys is, you know, is, is this a knee-jerk decision by um, the hierarchy at Bayern? Given the fact that they're currently only four points off the top, um, of the top uh, table, uh, of the top of the table, um, they've in their last five games they've won two, they've lost two, and they've drawn one. Um, of course, Niko Kovac obviously last season um, guided them to a, a league and, and cup double. Um, but what um, Carl um, Heinz Rummenigge has come out and said is basically um, the recent performances have basically shown us that there's there's need for drastic action. Mm. Um, so, so uh, do you, do you guys agree with that decision to um, to see to yeah basically wave Kovac? To, yeah, I think off? it was I think it was lucky to keep his job last season. Personally, mm. I know he won the domestic double, but for me, um, Bayern Munich are judged on the Champions League you know exploitations mm-hmm. and I feel that when I watch Bayern I don't see them as a top team anymore I just think yeah they've got players but they don't work as a unit I think without Lewandowski they will struggle and I just feel that with teams like Bayern the fans want to be entertained and I don't think Kovac does that personally didn't they just absolutely yeah, hammer Tottenham in, in yeah, the Champions I, League I made them look like Galacticals yeah, 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 so yeah. Speak, was, wasn't that entertaining no it was, was entertaining, that that's a one off game of course mm. since that I think the game after they lost you know 2-1 to Hoffenheim mm. and it's quite ironic that you know Kovac is 
you know, team that he managed, Frankfurt, before he went to yes. Bayern, were the team that put him Good out of his misery. Mm. Um, there, seems to, <laughs> there seems to be, you know, a political feel about Bayern Munich. You've got mm. Yuli Holness coming out with comments and mm. you can see that the senior players don't respect Kovac. Mm. I mean, there's always been this air of uncertainty. I remember the time they played Liverpool last season, mm. they were talking about him, you know, being, being sacked. Yeah, yeah. And, mm. you know, it's ultimately come to a head him being sacked now and it's going to be interesting to see who replaces him I think it's a very political club yeah, Bayern it's yeah. probably mm-hmm. the most political super club outside mm-hmm. of Spain um, yeah. and he's uh, I think Kovac suffered for being the first manager to be judged on the standard that Guardiola set there where you have to again you're measured on the Champions League mm-hmm. like you said but you're also measured on the identity that you give the team yeah. Yeah. and it never mm-hmm. felt like Bayern had an identity under Kovac really and I was I was surprised after the way they were so comprehensively outplayed by Liverpool in that two-legged tie that he kind of survived that season. Mm. Um, But I think, yeah, it's an interesting one with Bayern. I don't think he was also done many favours by the recruitment because they openly pursued Callum Hudson-Odoi. They failed there. They they openly pursued Leroy Sane. Okay, they got unlucky with the injury, but they've Mm. not replaced Robin Ribéry. Mm. I know they've got Serge Gnabry who's done well, but Mm. they don't have, like you say, they don't have those really top-tier world names Mm. beyond Lewandowski. You can see Coutinho was like a knee-jerk signing. Mm. The thing about Bayern is, is similar to Unai Emery's situation at Arsenal. My, in my opinion, Bayern, they don't play good at all. That they can get, they can play good one week and then the next week mm. they're suffering. Mm. Same with Arsenal. One week they can win, have a magical result, and then they're suffering the next week. So I think they gave him a chance with the summer summer antics. How much they spent. They bought that centre back Lucas Hernandez for that seventy mil. They bought, lots, they bought, they bought lots of centre backs yeah, yeah. last summer. <laughs> so, so Pavard they, and and mm. performances haven't really improved, mm. as you can say. So I think they just decided now's the time. Maybe they're going to look at Eric. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gonna, what about you know your Panthers coming back again? I know yeah, he, he keeps going back he to could, save mm. them, then he goes away. So what about that? So you know what? I've I've got a short list here of of, of um, managers that are rumored to be um, you know um, in in the hat here. So there's a, a certain Arsene Wenger. You've got Max Allegri, um, Eric Ten Hag, as, as, as Fresh mentioned, um, and and Ralph Ragnick as well, who was most recently top manager, manager of uh, top manager. Uh, RB Leipzig. Um, I think he's in a, a, a bit more of a senior Ralph role Ragnick, now. He's top like, manager. Top manager. Are you sure. Yeah. I think he's top at recruitment, the roles they take. But as mm. a yeah, manager, at the moment he's a sporting director. Yeah, I think now, sporting so. director. I think Man United were having a look at him <laughs> as well. But mm. yeah. so with that, with that shortlist in mind, I think this kind of wanted it. It, it leads me to the next question that I, I wanted to have. So, not looking at Bayern specifically. Mm. Um, you know, we just listed the people that are are, are are in the running for that for that role. But um, on a more international basis, what I wanted to ask you guys and get your thoughts on is. If, you know, a, a manager that does well on the international stage, should they be seen as, um, uh, you know, favourable for top um, uh, roles at, at, at domestic clubs? Um, we've got loads of, you know, examples of this recently. You know, you've got, uh, first that comes to mind is Gareth Southgate and the good job that he's doing at, um, at England currently. Mm. Um, you know, should he then be in, in the conversation for uh, a potential role at domestic level? Maybe, you know, there's 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 rumours of uh, Poch leaving uh, uh, Spurs <laughs> in the next couple of years. Could, could Southgate be, you know, uh, uh, someone who could potentially take over 
whatever at, at, at that club. Just a, just an example. Um, yeah, what what are your thoughts, guys? Um, I'm not entirely convinced on international football as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Ronald Koeman has been tipped to take the Barcelona job if Valverde um, gets fired, but I feel that it's not a good metric to gauge how good a manager is. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, when you look at Roberto Martinez, you know, he left um, England with his tails in between his bum. (laughs) (laughs) He had um, a shocking time and he's gone to like Belgium and he's repaired his career. But Mm -hmm. I don't feel that that should give you the equity to walk into a a top club. I feel that you need to prove yourself, you know, at a mid-table club in the Premier League or, you know, in Europe. Mm -hmm. And then possibly that can you know, elevate you to that elite club. But I don't feel that you should walk in, for example, in Koeman's um, case, from Holland to Barcelona. I don't feel that's right. It, it, there's mm. no denying, though, that it does serve to, to rehabilitate your image. If you're a manager, it's a good, it's a good, it's a, it's a wise career choice. Well, you think of Southgate before he got into the England structure, he'd done nothing really at club level. He got Middlesbrough relegated, basically. That was his legacy in club management. I, you know, I think on the whole, international level is a lower level of football, tactically, um, in terms of sophistication, the challenges, there's no, obviously the day-to-day challenges that aren't, yeah, aren't yeah, there. Yeah. It's, it has its own challenges. You don't get a lot of time to work with players. You've got to build, you've got to take a longer view, mm. which I think Southgate's done very well with England, but there aren't necessarily that many translatable skills. But having mm. said that, I think, yeah, there's no denying Koeman probably will get a chance at mm. a club at some stage. So will Southgate, Martinez, maybe too. Whether they'll walk into like a, a really mm. top, Eight club in Europe I don't know but they might have a decent chance at the next bracket down mm. it's yeah. interesting you say that because as you mentioned you know Martinez when he left Everton you thought this guy's done in England but now when you think of him you think hmm <laughs> he could you know get, top six yeah, he yeah, could probably yeah. come back and as you said I don't think it's a high enough level and when you're playing teams like San Marino you know yeah, 9-0 yeah. Good. <laughs> it's, good. it's not it's not the perfect yeah. game. and again good. when you get to international like players are coming from different systems mm. it's not a real intensity to the football mm. for me I see international football as a sort of break Mm. you know for the players they go there and they think you know let me just strut my stuff whereas when you see <laughs> top teams when you see top teams like Liverpool City mm. you see the intensity the pressing but when it's international it's just you well know, not many international teams have an identity and yeah, that's yeah. what yeah. that's what made those Spain teams so unusual yeah. and so great was because of the, the level of cohesion because mm. most of them played for Barcelona yeah. <laughs> um, and were raised in that same style yeah. of football it doesn't happen often in international football because it's just so sort of thrown together mm. But yeah. that's why I, like, I raised the point that the England team may be, you know, littered with Chelsea players. I said that in the next two, three years, we can get a similar situation to what we're seeing, to what we saw with, with the Barcelona team in 2008, mm-hmm. where the majority of the Chelsea team make the England squad and that translates into the national performance. Tammy is the new Messi, is that what you... That's what I heard. I don't know. Fair point. That, that is that is actually a, a great segue to 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 the next segment that I you know we wanted to cover. Um, let's start. With, of course, we we've got to review the, the the matches, and I think that you know the only place for us to start is 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 Chelsea. Um, so uh, 
I think it, it would be good for us to review, um, you know, their result, but also just have a bit of a deep dive um, and, and, and pick your brains on your general thoughts about um, about Chelsea this season and their prospects. Mm. Um, Lampard as a manager and the exciting young talent that they've got um, coming through through the ranks. So let's start off with um, the game. They, of course, uh, travelled to uh, Vicarage Road. Um, and Tammy Abraham opened a scoring uh, fantastic pass from Jorginho oh, what a pass um, and, and yeah I mean Chelsea have, have, have racked up a few wins on, on, on the road now and they're on a really really impressive run um, and, and, and picked up another three points um, at, at the weekend um, and what are your, your general thoughts on, on the, the game as a whole guys? I thought it was Chelsea's one of Chelsea's best performances all round in the, of the season mm-hmm. Um Maybe their best Premier League performance because you probably put Ajax away mm. at, the, mm-hmm. at the very top. But they, they controlled the game for 80 minutes and then a VAR check <laughs> changed everything. <laughs> Was um, it a penalty for you? I'm still not convinced. I think if you have to look at it 20 times, it's yeah, maybe it's not, not clear and obvious. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, It's true, it's true. And it's not... Uh, I think everything looks worse in slow motion. It's, yeah. it's yeah. not a trip unless you actually trip someone. He didn't. Delafeo didn't go down until he'd seen that Kepper had gathered Kepa. the ball mm. and the danger was mm. over. He fell down in instalments. Yes, <laughs> it was smart from him, mm. and it was a mistake from Jorginho. Obviously, lost the ball in a bad area. But I think that's. I think Lampard will regard that as kind of the cost of doing business for the way he wants to play. Because one of the themes of the last few weeks has been Jorginho and Kovacic continually taking the ball in bad areas. And they're so good at keeping the ball mm. and making the right decision, particularly Kovacic sort of dribbling his way out mm. of impossible situations, putting Chelsea on the attack. And they're, they're, it's funny, it's it, it's kind of what Sarri wanted to do, yeah. um, which is, is kind of interesting. But um, Chelsea have gained some real momentum now and they're well ahead of schedule, I think, in terms of where they are respective to the other clubs. I mean, mm-hmm. 11 points ahead of Spurs is incredible. I didn't, didn't predict it's these these level of problems with Spurs. Ten points out of United, six against ahead of Arsenal. We're it's still an open question as to how good Leicester are, what their staying power is, and I do expect Chelsea's younger players to have a dip yeah. at some point. Yeah, I think yeah. That yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean this will be a big test playing every three days, um, but I think for where they where a lot of people feared they would be mm. having mm. sort of ground to make up at this stage. They're way, way ahead of schedule just, and they're, they're in a really good position to get top four, which was always the primary aim mm, this season. I think Chelsea always needed that bit of a gap. Once they've now got that bit of a gap, they can they can afford to lose mm. one or two mm-hmm. games now and mm. still be within a run of mm-hmm. getting top four. Mm-hmm. So I, I, see, I see them getting top four easily. The, the rest of the teams, they're not serious. It's <laughs> just not serious. They've about got it. a nice, you know, yeah. buffer zone, as yeah. you said, and you know, Tammy Abraham, you know, I think seven away league goals in six games or yeah, so. Yeah, it's been really, really impressive. He's had a phenomenal run, and you know, people doubted his ability as a Premier League striker. I know me for one, I thought yeah. it was Premier League, <laughs> but lower end. Mm. But what he's showing now is that he's a bona fide Premier League striker, mm. and you know, mm. Pulisic as well coming out from the cold. You know, giving some assists, and you know now Callum right. Hudson Odoi, he's mm. got food for four. Is he going to mm. be playing? Because mm. Pulisic now, on current form, playing the way he is, you can't drop him. Well, mm. Lampard's kind of taken the air out of USA Twitter in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> they were, they, were, they, were, they, were, they picked up their pitchforks. They were ready um, to go after him, and I think Pulisic has done really, really well. And it actually massively validates the way Lampard has handled him because he, he hasn't criticised him in public at any stage he's said he's not up to the level yet but he's you know he's, he's told him that he needs to work harder and he just wants to establish 
a, a standard across this squad of the players that train best play mm-hmm. um, yeah. and it has to be a meritocracy and that's the the culture Lampard has built and I think you've seen Pulisic has reacted the right way he he was clearly down about it his confidence was affected for a little while but he's come back with a bang I thought his performance against Burnley was yeah, incredible mm-hmm. wasn't expecting that at all and he and he picked up where he left off against Watford and now yeah I think it's going to go that way all season where now Hudson-Odoi has got a challenge mm, that he's yeah. got to respond to Willian's been playing well maybe Willian will dip at some stage although he's playing for a new contract so I'm not sure <laughs> um, Pedro will probably get minutes at some point and, mm. and that's what he wants that's what Lampard wants is all these yeah. guys pushing each play, other yeah. even Batshuayi scoring from the bench now mm. so it's, it's, it's all coming together and they've done all this with Kante injured Rudiger injured mm. Um, two of what you would have said, yeah, two of the key anyone's. players going into the season. Um, so I think it's really impressive the way Lampard's managed this squad and in particular built up the confidence of these young guys. Yeah, and when you think of Pulisic, he's only second behind Tammy Abraham in terms of goal involvements, mm. four goals, five assists. So he's putting in devastating performances. Before when I saw Pulisic, I thought he was all aesthetics. He looks good, <laughs> but he hasn't got that devil man. I remember mm. against Liverpool in the Super Cup, no, he, he played good. well that game, man. He looked good, but it wasn't as... Yeah, that goal that got chalked off was a really, like, great finish, no? Yeah, yeah but obviously it wasn't a goal, so it wasn't counted. So, But I think, you know, going forward for Chelsea, it's going to be interesting to see how high their ceiling is. Mm. And let's not forget, all these youngsters, they played under, you know, Joe Edwards, Jody Morris, so Frank Lampard as well. Yeah. So I think it's always more comfortable when you're going into a first-team environment but you've got familiar faces yeah. around. Mm-hmm. Imagine Definitely. them going up with a Sari. Yeah, yeah. You know, it might be, be a bit daunting. Mm-hmm. Or Sarri, got I don't cock. think Sari would trust someone like Tammy as much as Lampard. Of course. Because mm-hmm. obviously, when Tammy missed that, <laughs> Mr. Pedalty in the mm. um, Super Cup. Everyone thought, yeah, that's... He's well, there were parallels with Lukaku, yeah, weren't yeah, there? Yeah. The Super Cup for Chelsea yeah. in 20, oh, yeah, 2013. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was his last yeah, act. Yeah. 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 Mourinho, he was just gone yeah. after that. Yeah. Usually a manager could give the player the chop after that we wouldn't see him again for another four or five games that's his lost confidence and Tammy has missed big chances since I think you look statistically there's very few strikers in the Premier League have missed more but big chances but he's always in the positions and Lampard has given him the confidence of if you do everything else I want you to do if you do the running, you do the yeah. pressing. He's worked a lot on his hold up and link up play, yeah. which has come on leaps and bounds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you keep getting into the positions, you keep trying. I will give you that. You know that space and that platform, yeah, and I'm sure Olivier Giroud's not happy about it. But <laughs> oh, also, also you know. Tomori, we have mm. to talk about yeah. him. Like he is probably taken that second spot. Maybe even first spot. Well, Lampard Rudiger. said he's one or two in the pecking order yeah, so, a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> How many managers would give someone like that mm, a chance yeah. to play centre? Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's only what twenty one. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, and he yeah. is making mistakes. In you see in, in recent games, he's he's good for sort of one or two mistakes yeah. a game. But it's a young player. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And that yeah. gives that environment yeah. for yeah. players to make mistakes. Yeah. And yeah. part of it is his his speed gets yeah. him out of trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Still yeah. really, really good on the it's recovery. Fast, yeah, yeah. I, I think the bigger question for this Chelsea team um, will be the big games. I think I love what Lampard is doing. He's got them, you know, firing them on all cylinders away from home and they can really, like, put teams to the sword. But I feel like, for example, in midweek, they played a pretty strong team against Man United and they lost that game. 
I feel that that's going to be the challenge for them, whether they can cement top four. I feel that those big games, I'm still yet to be convinced. I think they need a big win, uh, 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 a I big team. I don't think they're going to win many big games this season. But that is so just, do you think, that's you, because of young players. Yeah, that's but do you think that's enough to, to get them to yeah. propel them into yeah, the top yeah. four? Because none of the other teams are going to win big games either. If you win the other games, I think exactly. United at the moment look like they can only win the big games because they can yeah. only win games where they can <laughs> counter-attack. <laughs> <laughs> if they have to make the play yeah. and be proactive, then yeah. they can't, yeah, yeah, they can't, can't win. Can't but they, they, they've done a job on Chelsea twice by yeah. using their speed on the counter-attack. <laughs> um, I, I, I think Lampard will probably take more confidence from how Chelsea played at home to Liverpool. Mm. which I think was a really yeah. good performance yeah, they and they could easily there. have got a draw or, or maybe even won that game but they go to City on November 23rd mm. that was the 6-0 Ooh. last year mm. I think, I think will Chelsea, they go, out, go there and be Chelsea proactive I think Chelsea going to get a B in there still oh, really? because the way that City plays they're going to dominate you they're going to dominate everyone in the whole league yeah. basically can Chelsea be resilient and know that if you have to stay in the game, we're not going to have the ball. And not be open yeah, when they don't have yeah. the ball. That's but it. I think over the course of Lampard's short spell at Chelsea, they've improved their game management. If you take, for instance, the game against Sheffield United, they look like a bunch of novices. But since then, we've seen them, you know, Burnley as well. <laughs> we saw remnants of that. But against Watford, I thought they largely, you know, managed the game yeah. well. Mm. And, you know, they're starting to, like, they're growing together as a collective. And I think they will make top four. I think they've just got enough of a buffer. And as you said... You know, you play more against the other teams than mm. the top six teams. Yeah. So if you do your business there, then you're all and that's, good. that's what they're doing. Liam, Liam, I have a question. Okay. You're very close to the Chelsea camp. You, you know, you know, cover them for the athletic. My question is, out of all the young players, who do you feel has the biggest future? Ooh, um, I think highest ceiling in terms of talent is Hudson-Odoi, okay. I think. Mm. Um, I think we're probably talking, yeah, the level that Sancho is at. Hudson-Odoi mm. definitely thinks in his head that he can be at least as good as Sancho. And I think he's right to think that because he's been on the same level as him until the last 18 months, all the way through the youth groups. Mm-hmm. Um, Tammy, I'm not sure now because, uh, you know, he's, he's already surprised me with what he's done this season. I think he was always going to be the most intriguing project of the Lampard era because he's got the tools. He's an, he's an unusual frame. Mm. for a striker mm. very tall very Ungainly. wiry mm. I mean he can look that way but mm. he's got surprising te- like yeah, su- I think he's surprisingly decent. I think sharp he's technique as well mm. what he did to Connor Cody a few weeks ago oh, oh, that's good, <laughs> I don't think he's forgotten that um, <laughs> yeah. so he, that it's, it sent him back to the shop in Merseyside apparently <laughs> I mean that, that's what he's capable of and it's a, and it makes him a very intriguing package as a striker because he's always been able to score goals always had that in- instinct around the box but the rest of his game is coming along now and people forget when Didier Drogba first arrived at Chelsea he wasn't particularly great at holding up the ball mm. either his first his first option was to go down yeah. try and get a free kick and he gradually learned that balance and how to use his strength mm. how to use his body yeah. and I think you're already seeing Tammy making strides on that front mm. and it, I, I don't really know how far he can go but it, it's going to be interesting and I, I, I actually think maybe the other one with a massive massive future is Reese James Oh yeah, I've been right. high on yeah. him. I mean, he's a, he's a physical freak Beast, for that yeah. position. Mm. Like he's, it, it, you don't see right backs with his yeah. frame, mm. and and he's so good technically as well. This is because he played central midfield yeah. all last season. Mm. Um, so I, I 
I actually think England's right back spot has the potential to be the most brutal position yeah. in the world for him. Within about Trent, two years. James. I mean, well, Alexander mm. Arnold might already be in the best in the world and he's 21. Mm. He's the De Bruyne of right backs. Yeah, yeah, I would go. At least you said that. Because if he said that, yeah. we'd yeah. The beautiful yeah. game is bias. Yeah. Oh, the beautiful game only want to praise Liverpool, so yeah. thank you. <laughs> he's incredible. Yeah. But then Wan- and then Wan-Bissaka is like, if, if, he can, if he can develop his attacking game, you can't get past him yeah. ever. And Reese James, I think, is is going to be a world class two way right yeah, back yeah, as well. So yeah, I mean, they could retire Carl Walker at twenty eight. Yeah, <laughs> 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 it there won't be his fault. And, yeah. and the Obviously. big, you know, the big, you know, credit that I can give to Lampard is that we haven't mentioned Eden Hazard. We haven't Not mentioned one. his name. We yeah, haven't true. mentioned his name. So that shows usually when a big club sells Loses, their top yeah. player. When we saw Coutinho, if Coutinho was there, this would have happened. On the Lampard so far, there's not been no murmurs of him. The thing is, so, at Chelsea, there's no worries with goals. That's what goals. I thought was going to be And they're creating chances yeah. consistently yeah, so. as well. Well, I actually thought going into the season, there was the potential for it to be a similar situation to when Thierry Henry yeah, left Arsenal awesome. in 2007. Because that season, everything went through Henry. And last season, everything went through Hazard. And the rest of the players got so used to just deferring to him. And mm. everything is on one player. And when that player goes, that safety net's removed. Suddenly, everyone's got to take more responsibility. And you combine that with these exciting young players coming in and a new coach with fresh ideas. Mm. That's the most, the biggest achievement Lampard's made so far. Is actually building an attacking system that doesn't depend on any one player. So you, mm. one player comes mm. out, you know, hudson Doy comes out, Pulisic can come <laughs> in and yeah. play. Yeah, mm. And yeah, I think if Abraham comes out at any stage... Giroud or Batshuayi can step in mm, and I, I think that's really impressive and it s- suggests that what Chelsea are doing is maybe yeah, sustainable yeah. yeah point so we're going we're gonna to go into some listeners questions um, uh, in, in just a sec um, uh, Liam um, the, the challenge is you've got to answer each of these questions in a minute okay before we do that though a really really quick one let's fast forward uh, to uh, the summer transfer window and assume that Chelsea make top four where do they strengthen in the, the transfer market? I think the clearest position to upgrade is probably left back. Um, I, I think Marcus Alonso has been a really good player and a really important player for Chelsea since he arrived, but he's not a natural left back. He's a wing back. And if you're not going to play wing backs going forward, mm. probably not the best one for him. Emerson is good, but I think you can get better. Um, someone like Bel- Ben Chilwell, I think, fits quite nicely. I'm Wonder seeing a few frowns in the room. <laughs> I think he's a good player. Really good player. Um, no, although I don't see any reason why Leicester would sell mm. to a team they're competing mm. against. Um, it's going to cost too much. Yeah, I mean, he might not be valued for money. As well. That's mm. the thing. But I do. Th- he does impress me every time I watch him. And then I think if you're going for like a a real marquee name, yeah, um, maybe in the in the attacking third, I think you need to strike the balance between getting someone big but not destroying what you've got with this mm. young core mm. so I actually think Jaden Sancho makes mm. a lot of sense because his friends. he's a superstar yeah. and he also is already mates with all of Chelsea's young mm. core pretty much he grew up with Tammy Abraham yeah. he's known Hudson-Odoi for about 10 years mm. I think I think that makes a lot of sense I, it would be really harsh on Pulisic I think yeah. Chelsea <laughs> should go for like um, a more experienced player I don't think they should go for another young player in what, what name like, mm. It, on the right side of midfield mm. or, or is it even Ziyech? the camp yeah. from Ajax they, I think they don't need another young player like, but they, Sancho project... is performing at such a level where you have to consider him as a 
you know, not a finished goods. Yeah, but that's what you but have. He to, can come in. He can come in and you know get the goals. Just think, if you get Sancho, you could be looking at a situation where in three years England's attack oh, is yeah, entirely Chelsea. Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, Hudson Odoi, Abraham, and and Sancho. Although Raheem Sterling have something to say about that. <laughs> absolutely, I find it interesting that no one mentioned a, a centre forward. So you don't think they they could get better they, they, than Batshuayi and Giroud? The thing with centre forwards at the moment, what centre forward mm. can you say? he improves us straight away mm. that you can get on the market right now. It's always like a bit of a guess. Like mm. even that, what's that one that Roman did? Luka Jovic. Yeah, yeah. He banged how many goals? 30 goals last season. Yeah, then he they, well. yeah. And now he's not playing. Yeah, but that's, that's Real Madrid. That's but, Real Madrid. That's nothing on Jovic. But we see that in even Morata. And funny when enough that we mentioned him because he, I think, would be would have been perfect for Chelsea as a centre forward. But yeah, continue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so are, are, are we good on that? Well, let's, let's, yeah, let's go into the listeners' questions. Okay, I'm going to start with Rob Mush. You know, we like him a lot. He's a good guy, big <laughs> yeah. support of the podcast. Shout out, Rob. Mm. Should Chelsea be making more use of their recent ledger, legends similar to Ajax, Drogba, and Essien? Our great African ambassadors and educated Ashley Cole, Terry, Czech were all high IQ footballers too. Well, I actually think Chelsea have got more former players back than pretty much any other club already um like you walk around cobham you just it's like <laughs> a walk into the past yeah. you're bumping yeah. into former players all over the place the, throughout the coaching structure the lone technical guys I mean makaleli just came back as well um i've seen sen there before because whenever he's training in between clubs they let him train at cobham mm. um they've tried to get drogba back a couple of times i think it's quite clear with drogba that if he wants a job at chelsea it's there for him mm. um if there's a role that can be found that suits everyone and abramovich has been quite consistent on this he wants the names from chelsea's greatest ever era involved in some capacity and lampard as manager is just sort of the logical conclusion of that I think they've got Czech and Palo Ferreira already. So, yeah, it does make sense. Yeah, there's, there's loads mm. of them. Um, this is another question from Official JD11. He said, with the partnership of Jorginho and Kovacic flourishing and Kante hampered by injuries and Loftus-Cheek still to come back, should Chelsea consider a large fee for Kante in the summer? I think this was a really good question. It is a really interesting question. Uh, we wrote a few weeks ago that Real Madrid had looked at him or his name had been mentioned as a target for Madrid. And I think Kante's injury problems maybe changed the dynamic on this because he's been so durable for mm. so long. And he is certainly one of the best midfielders in the world, Chelsea's best player, without a doubt. But if he's not as durable as he once was, maybe it is a good time to try and cash in on yeah. him, um, as difficult as it seems. But in the short term to medium term, they will definitely need him because Jorginho and Kovacic cannot play every game. Yeah. Jorginho's played more minutes than anyone else already this season and they're going to play every three days until January. So they need Kante. Mm-hmm. So another question will be, how far away are Chelsea from a genuine title challenge once the transfer ban is lifted? won a title three years ago and for all intents and purposes are the best of the rest. This was from Dan Cooks from Tapping Football. Yeah, I think they're, they're, they're in an intriguing position at the moment. I think it doesn't just depend on them though because you're looking at the standard that Liverpool and City have set in the last two years. They're statistically the two greatest teams in Premier League history. <laughs> yeah, It's just mad yeah, to yeah. say, but it's true. Um, so that's the level. It's not just a, a standard championship level. You're, you're going... You've got to scale unprecedented heights to catch these guys. And I think if you're building around young players as Chelsea are currently doing, you would need one hell of a summer to to close that gap seriously. I think they are, at this point, the third best team in the league, but there's still 
a big gap over the course of a 38 game season mm. between them and the top two. And um, the last question is for someone that's, you know, covered Chelsea for several years, what is the most frustrating piece that you've had to write? In oh, regards to Chelsea, wow. that's a good one. That's yeah, an that's interesting one. And that's from that Anita. From? Oh, cool. Um, sorry, I'm putting you on the spot. Well, yeah. Anita's putting you on the spot. <laughs> yeah, frustrating piece. Um, so maybe the piece that made you feel like, oh, I don't want to write this, but I have to. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have to criticize a certain player? That you, you know, you didn't Jose really want getting to. sacked again or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think there were probably, I, I, I don't know if I can nail it down to one piece, but I think there were probably pieces towards the end of Conte's time oh. that were quite tedious to write because it was clear how good he'd been for Chelsea for, for one season. And it was equally clear about halfway through the second season that it was just broken mm. between him and the club. Um, and I think there was probably a lot of frustration around the fact that managers whether they're good or bad always find a way to have a much shorter shelf life at Chelsea than you think and mm-hmm. I think Conte could have been in some ways he was the perfect manager for Chelsea in other ways he was a nightmare yeah. choice because mm-hmm. it, he can't function in that sort of political environment mm-hmm. but as a pure coach I thought he he was excellent so there were th- pieces in the second half of the season where he was just openly tossing grenades in press conferences <laughs> and the board <laughs> and that, the um, mm-hmm. that were maybe Badness. slightly more tedious to write yeah um, because everyone knew where it was heading and the, it's never that fun to cover a story when you know how it ends yeah <laughs> of course fair point we're going we're to move on now and, and review the rest of the games at the weekend um, let's start with, uh, with with City seeing as we have uh, fresh hair oh, pet protector uh, yeah <laughs> son so, <laughs> so, so of course um, City hosted Southampton at the Etihad um, and took all three points, a, t- a two-one win. Uh, Fresh, what are your thoughts on the game? Um, I would say Man City kind of started a bit slow. Mm. Um, Edison letting a howler. I would say he doesn't usually do that. I would say that was two mistakes in one goal. Why do you I say think that? should have made himself big, but he was trying to <laughs> like catch <laughs> the was, first uh, mistake happened, and then he thought, ah, oh, he yeah, panicked. panicked. Mm. And, and, and more Prowse was shot, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't have rush of blood yeah. like that. I think that was a shocking yeah. mistake. It was. Mm-hmm. And then when City conceded, um, I think Liverpool conceded soon after that. And it was like the fans reacted to Liverpool conceding and they just started raising the yeah. stadium. Like, we need to win. Like, yeah. Liverpool are losing. Like. So yeah. from then onwards, mm. City were just rampant. Mm. Just attacking, attacking, attacking. Took them long to get the goal. It was like yeah. the 70th minute, but they were attacking throughout the whole game. There's even a clip of Pep at halftime saying, keep going, lads. Even yeah, the, yeah. Don't cross the cross. Like, okay, <laughs> just yeah. keep going. It's all about mentality, this game. They're just sitting there. You've done this so much times. Mm. And that was the process of the game. Mm. They just kept attacking them. Eventually, they got the goal. Had a few chances. Yeah. He he missed a, a header that yeah. from, from a, a Bernardo Silva yeah. cross, which he should have put away. So yeah. they missed a hell of a lot of chances mm. that they usually don't miss. But mm. in that in that game, I think it was it was a great win because we've seen like this Man City team go go down and they really don't recover. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's not an impressive win because after 14 minutes, I thought, yeah, this is still going to be 5-1. Mm. Um, great result because it's it's a game yeah, of football yeah. at yeah. the end of the day. You've got to turn it around. Mm. Whether you're winning 1-0 or 
or losing one nil, you got to show so, character yeah. to come back, and they showed that. But I think the only worrying thing about that result was that it took them seventy minutes to get their first shot on target, and that's not something I'm used to seeing with this brilliant Man City team. I, I think- know, and Pep Guardiola came out and said that ah. Oh, Southampton were defending like a tree. Yeah, you know, Redmond and Ings <laughs> were just sitting in the box, which you know made it difficult for them. Mm. But your job as a manager, yeah, as the best, quote unquote, in. best manager in the world, mm. to find solutions yeah, but, to that, and, and he didn't find yeah. solutions. But Obviously, they did. got a, they got a fortunate goal <laughs> like, after Ricket. You know, MacArthur, what are you thing? doing? That, that, was was sec- that was the second goal. Oh, yeah, that, that was, was a second goal. Man City, what they're showing is the you know the hallmarks of champions, yeah. you know, going to go Fine. down and finding a way to, to win, win that yeah, game. Yeah, that's impressive because, you know, they kept the pressure on Liverpool. Yeah, and they definitely. do have the ability to ramp up the pressure in such a way that they just feel inevitable in the way yeah. that all great teams do. Like yeah. they, they do have that capability. Mm. And I think Liverpool can do that as well. Yeah, where yeah, you just create can. like a 20 minute whirlwind <laughs> where you say like, but you say like, but you say like the, you know, the, the mistakes that come from it, like the MacArthur mistakes, yeah. you know, like, what are you doing? But it's the mental, it's the mental pressure. When you're defending against, trying it's to defend it, against yeah, that, you have to make so many decisions. And you're so con- having and to be worried tired. about so many different things, and, and you're getting tired. Yeah. And I think there's no coincidence that right. really top teams like so, that generally yeah. score more late goals. Yeah. I think just a side note on Southampton. I think we've got to give them credit. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ralph Hood too. I think he's gathered his players together, and I think they're still fighting for him. Um, I think their game next week is going to be really important. They have to win Everton, or confidence can mm. go. I know he's taken gun out of the firing line because you know, <laughs> after conceding nine goals, yeah. the scar tissue that's left on you, <laughs> you may not recover for the rest of your mm. career, honestly. And to be honest, that game, that was about how Southampton lost. And they yeah. lost in a credible, yeah. incredible, <laughs> yeah. in a credible manner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two one, you can take that. Very dignified yeah. manner. The, the week before the uh, uh, the nine nil, they mm. gave away their wages um, yeah, to, to a charity, yeah. which was which is admirable. Mm. And to be honest, the, uh, that that performance against City, they earned their wages. Yeah, yeah they did. In that game, they really, they, they, that was about how yeah, they, they lost tried the game. Their hardest, you know, they lost the in a dignified manner. So upwards and upwards from them. Just go out on your shield. Definitely. That's all that yeah. that's all that fans demand, really. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but let's not glorify failure. I know it's an oxymoron, <laughs> but let's not. <laughs> no, they but lost the game, fair. but they can take huge positives from it. Of course, yeah. and yeah. many more teams will go to Etihad that and get, get spanked. Yeah. Two yeah, one, yeah, losing two one. Respectable, respectable, yeah, it's respectable. respectable loss. Definitely. Right. Let's move on now. Um, Liverpool travelled to Villa Park. Um, and managed to, uh, you know, a, a, a real um, smash and grab last minute. Um, that man Mane again um, coming up with the goods. Uh, you 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 managed to win two one. Um, what are your thoughts on the game, guys? I mean, I love this club, man. As a Liverpool <laughs> fan, when they scored, man, I was on Twitter. I said, oh, I love Liverpool. <laughs> I mean, this team. You have to nail them to the canvas to beat them. Mm. Sorry to use a boxing analogy, but, <laughs> you know, they're so resilient. They've got heart of a yeah. lion. And mm. to be honest, after the midweek game, you know, winning by penalties, beating Arsenal, you didn't know how this game was going to affect them. Because mm. Liverpool, notoriously, their team that like rhythm, mm-hmm. you know, the players Marnie and so they want to be playing regularly. And to come back in, you could see them, you know, they were a bit rough. The passes weren't <laughs> smooth. Mm-hmm. You know, it took them long to get into their stride. But once they got into their stride and once they went a goal behind the last 20 minutes, as Liam said, 
you know, Aston Villa, marvellous Nakamba, he had a great yeah. game. So you can start seeing him get Legs. tired, fatigued, and Liverpool just ground him to a halt. People mm. say, oh, it's clutch or jammy wins. I think jammy is a culmination of, as you said, mentally you yeah. go, physically you Mentality go. Mentality monsters. That's what clock yeah. I think. Yeah, and, yeah. and Liverpool are just, you know, yeah. I think they're going to win the league. And I say it again by five to eight points. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think um, just to butcher us, um, Deji's point, I mean, I was reading a piece from your colleague, Simon Hughes, um, from The Athletic, and he was saying that Klopp in training, he says nine versus 11. Nine attackers versus 11. Break this team down. And it was like, when their score got in training, there's no celebration. It's do it again, do it again, do it again. And that translates onto the football pitch. When they need to break down an O block, they always find a way. Whether it's Trent crossing from 30 or 40 yards or switching the play to Robertson for him to come in infield and, mm. you know, possibly score a header or whip the ball back across. And... This Liverpool team is is the best Liverpool team I've seen in my life. I will, I will easily say that. And I feel that it's getting to the point where, like, so many people say Trent Arnold has great technique for a fullback. And I think that's a bit of a disservice. I think Trent Alexander-Arnold has great technique, just generally, as a player. If he was a centre-mid, he'll be one of the best passers in the Premier League. And he's got 15 assists. No other player in the Premier League has had more assists since the start of last season. I'll go as far as to say, after Mbappe, Trent is the biggest generational talent. Doing what he's doing. (laughs) Doing what he's doing. Doing what he's doing at this moment. Getting to two Champions League finals. Playing a big part in the title challenge last season. You have to throw him up there. What he's doing is not normal for someone of his age. I think think he's a unique player. And it, it makes Liverpool a uniquely difficult team to defend because even if you sit deep and do that low block and you just make your team really compact, you c- giving them the wings is basically what they want because all the create you look at Liverpool's midfield, there's not a ton of creativity mm. there. It all comes from the fullbacks. And when you've got someone like Alexander-Arnold who can just... He's one of the best crossers of a ball in the world from any position. So you, he can pick someone out and the, the kind of crosses that they can whip in, you can't take that away as a defending team unless you're going to press them and then you give them other things. That's why mm. Liverpool are so difficult to defend because they, they attack you from unconventional positions. Mm. For me, it's not even the attacking wise, the attacking plays of Liverpool, which is getting them their wins at the moment away from her. It's like set pieces now for Liverpool... It's just, I haven't seen any any team work set pieces the mm. way they're working them at the moment. Corners, free <laughs> kicks, mm. they're all on, they're very sharp for each one, even defending wise. <laughs> I don't know, I think you've got a new set piece coach recently, in the last two years, I think you I did. Think... And Virgil um, van Dijk, he's the set piece coach. No, but I mean, like, attacking wise as well, like even that corner, um, I think Klopp came out and said, yeah, we mm. trained on that. We've trained on set pieces mm. like that. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But we were working for trying to find any mm. angle to, to score goals. And that's what's making Liverpool reach the levels mm. that they're reaching at the moment for me. Mm. I think just a final point on the game. I think we have to give a shout out to Aston Villa. And um, I think Engels and Mings, <laughs> they were really, really dominant in the air. I mean, they've made the most headed clearances in the league this season as a, as a, as a duo. Um, the only problem with Aston Villa is is that they seem to take the lead and then for some reason they always lose it. I think, Concentration. Yeah, I think they've lost the lead 
you know, they've been in front four games and they've lost all four of them. Mm, they've lost so like I think that's a cause for points. concern. Yeah, 11 points from leading positions. But Liam, I just wanted to pose this question to you. So if Liverpool win the league and they go unbeaten, would this make this the best Premier League team we've ever seen in this current climate? Depends what you value more because if they go unbeaten, do they get to 100 points? I think they will. Mm. What do you value more? Do you value 100 points or being invincible? I think they're... It's difficult to pick between those, between those achievements. Uh, you know, I don't don't say that to denigrate them. I think they are already. I mean, they're comfortably the best Premier League team ever to like not win the league. Yeah, because yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah, unbelievable yeah, what yeah, they did yeah, last yeah. season. And I'm I'm really impressed with the way they've reacted because it would have been very yeah. easy to be so, demoralised yeah. after it. And I think the fact that they won the Champions League changed everything. If they'd have lost that as well, it would have been the most brutal yeah, season nice. ever. Yeah. Um, I think they're capable of going unbeaten. I suspect it won't happen because they've got to play City twice and you'd think they're still gunning for the Champions League as well. They, mm. Liverpool are good enough that they don't have to focus on one competition. Now that we've Liam, covered both teams... Hold on, there. let me just make a point. Liam, I don't want to call out anyone on this table, but um, <laughs> someone said that Liverpool are going to finish fourth this season, so I just wanted Who to put that, that out. Who said that? <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> I have fresh your side. What I was going to say is that um, obviously we're approaching a big game this weekend, Liverpool City. It's just a question to the floor. How do you guys see the game going? Yeah, to be honest, I'll put my, you know, <laughs> I'll put my neck on the line. I feel that Liverpool are going to win this game quite convincingly. I'll be surprised if we don't score more than two goals. I just think Man City defensively at the moment, they're all over the place. Liverpool? Liverpool have conceded the fewest shots on target in the Premier League by by a country mound. They've got 28, goal, um, 28 shots um, and second place is like 38. So... The problem with Liverpool is that they're giving away big chances, but I feel that the goalkeeper is not doing enough to save these big chances. I know Alisson is just coming back to full fitness now, so he's going to get better as time goes on. But I just feel that at Anfield, I think Liverpool will know that they just have to win this game and I think they'll get the job done, in my opinion. So you're back in the Anfield raw? I am back in the Anfield raw. I don't think Man City will be able to handle it personally. Should I say my opinion first? Yeah. yeah. I think it's going to be a very, very tight game. I think Liverpool are going to approach the game so emotionally. Emotionally, mm-hmm. They're going to think, oh, we have to win this. When they actually don't. They actually don't have to win it. Mm-hmm. They're going to think, yeah, we need to win this game. When really and truly, if they approach it as a thing of, mm-hmm. we're, we're, the, we're the leaders, you come and break us down. I think they'll have more of a chance of beating Man City that way. I think it's going to be a tight game. I think personally it might be a draw. I don't thought think... off air you said Liverpool are going to win no I didn't say that <laughs> <laughs> no, to be honest, how I see the game going I can see it going similar you know to the game last season at Anfield where it was a bit of a trade off where mm. we both know we've got the tools to hurt each other mm. but you know what let's settle this title race in our other games you mm. know that, that's what I think is going to happen so I, mm. can see no, I, think, I, I think Pep's going to go for it I don't think he's got that set up to, to yeah, contain yeah. Liverpool. I think Last if you're putting it. stones and what Otamendi at the back, I right. think he's going to be a bit more apprehensive. I think it's an interesting strategic one for both coaches, isn't it? Mm. Because if you're if you're Pep, you probably are worried that if you go for Liverpool, they'll pick you off. Mm. But at the same time, 
what evidence have you got that they're going to drop enough points for you to make this ground up for the mm. rest of the season? The margins are so fine. Yeah. You, City aren't going to win every game until the end. Well, they might do, but... You would think not. You would think not. You would think not, but they're both functioning in an atmosphere where even like a draw feels like a loss. Mm. Um, mm. And so you think you've got an opportunity directly to affect Liverpool's result. Only twice a season do you get that chance. Yeah. And yes, you're mm. away from home, but you nearly beat them last year. Mm. I, Pep's a naturally quite attack-minded yeah, coach. He's not the, the same, Liverpool become a little bit more pragmatic under Klopp since they signed Van Dijk. Like they've mm. got the balance right now. Mm. But they're still not set up to be a reactive team. They don't know how to be a reactive team. I, I think it's really interesting how they both approach it. Mm. Yeah. Yes. I reckon it's got, it's, it's, it's a 1-1 one, one or a 2-1. Yeah, I think 1-1. Yeah. I think 1-1. One, one. But if it is a 2-1, it's going to be a late goal, I reckon. What, to Liverpool? Yeah, probably. Well, both games yeah. were like that last year, weren't yeah. they? Both close. Really, really close. I, I, I want to see if Mares is going to decide to, yeah. To, I don't um, think he'll start. Interesting one. They'll bring him on Amazing. for the penalty. <laughs> <laughs> right, cool. So let's let, let's move on now. Um, United travelled to the Vitality Stadium um, <laughs> and unfortunately went back home with nothing. Um, Bournemouth taken all three Are you points. surprised? Um, not particularly. That was, well, come on, that was an easy home win for Bournemouth. <laughs> come on, it wasn't that easy. It man. was easy. It was easy. Go ahead. Uh, uh, set the pace on this one then, Doc. What are your thoughts on, on the game? If you're a mid-table team, you expect to win your home games, you lose your away games. And that's what Man United are. Yeah, to be fair, Man United <laughs> is a huge fall from grace that they've suffered, man. Watching that game as a Man United fan must have been, oh, so, mm. so painful. I mean, the goal, we've lauded Wan-Bissaka, you know, about his defensive, mm. you know, play, and that mm. was poor. He got so tight to Josh King. He meant to put your arm on him so you can see the ball, but he got so close. So, Dej, as, a, as, a, as no. someone that played fullback for, mm. for Palace, how would you defend that kind of situation? What's the ideal way to defend that sort of situation? Yeah, what you do is you keep the player arm's length so you can see the ball. wan got so close that he couldn't see the ball, so it was at Josh King's mercy. Mm-hmm. And that's what we saw with the goal. And as I said, we lured Wan-Bissaka, but that was a poor, poor error. I think the positioning of the goal as well was a bit difficult for him to handle. Mm. Like, he's in the centre of the goal. He's gone on his left side. He ain't gone on his right side because if he's gone on his right side, he's going to stop that. He's going to block that off. Mm. So, mm. that is, like, not a position Wan-Bissaka probably is used to being in as, a, as a, like, a defender. Mm. So, I wouldn't... People are quick to hammer him for that, but I don't. I wouldn't call that. It was that poor up. play. As I said, I've played fullback, yeah. and if that goes in, you're thinking, "Wow, I've had one." Yeah. So, but again, he's a young player yeah, who yeah. learn from that mistake, and yeah. yeah, we'll see how his career evolves. Yeah, I really like Wan Bissaka mm-hmm. as a player. So I think, I mean, that hasn't happened to him very often. Mm-hmm. Is it? He's, his calling card is that he is impossible to beat one on one. So yeah. I, I don't expect that to be a pattern. But generally with United, you know, I, I thought even when they beat Chelsea 4 0 on the opening day of the season, I thought it was a result that didn't really tell us much about either mm-hmm. team because we know we knew last season that United under Solskjaer Can't could set up to counter teams. They've got so many speedy players, mm-hmm. um, they, they, they thrive in transition. And they're just not set up to be a proactive team, particularly without Pogba. Whenever Pogba's not there, their midfield just seems like it's got absolutely no zero ideas. Even when he is there, sometimes he's not really... Yeah, it depends which Pogba is there. It's difficult. You can't expect him to take that burden on all the time. It's really Mm. difficult sometimes. 
And you know, um, Man United have lost all six away games when they've fallen behind, which is shows that they haven't got, you know... When they have to of... make the game. When they yeah, have yeah, yeah, a yeah, position yeah. where they have to make the game, they can't do it. So it shows that there's a big issue. But also, I just want to shout out Bournemouth and Eddie Howe. I've seen this guy this season reinvent himself mm. before... We saw him and we could only say, you know, this is an attacking coach. Mm-hmm. But three clean sheets in a that row mm-hmm. show that, you know, yeah, he's learning, he's learning well, on United, the job. Well, United also a little unfortunate because obviously Greenwood as well, you know, he, he almost mm. scored with his first touch. Up, what, what happened? On. He hit the post? He hit the post. Off target. No, but let's be fair. Let's give Bournemouth the accolades as yeah, well. Because let's not just make this the Man United show. Bournemouth have stepped up their level. Clean sheets. As we said, mm. you know, people yeah. said, Eddie Howe, is he finished at Bournemouth now? But he's showing that, no, you know what? I'm going to reinvent myself mm. and I'm going to, you know, try a different strategy and they're bearing fruit of that. Even, uh, yeah. he's, he's changed the keeper there, hasn't he? Yeah, like, Ramsdale's Ramsdale, coming, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. I always thought that Bournemouth had a problem with their keepers. First mm. they had um, Burke yeah. and then what's that one? That, the Begovic. one that Chelsea has, yeah. yeah so I think this keeper they've got now, I don't know, I think he's young as well. Yeah, yeah. So, is it Ramsdale? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was so. watching him closely and he looked a bit shaky, but with time, I think he will improve. Yeah. I said it in the group chat, yeah, like, yeah, this yeah. Ramsdale's not full, full, <laughs> full, of, full of confidence. Mm. And I thought that was a mistake for <laughs> it to happen personally, but obviously... Um, they got the win and I just like what Eddie Howe's doing at Bournemouth. Yeah. I mean, the way he's implemented Harry Wilson into the team, he had an amazing game against Man United. Mm. He played really well. I've got stocks in him. I want him to come <laughs> back to Liverpool because I feel that he can be a top player. Mm. Um, you know, Josh King and Callum Wilson, they're always going to be a handful. They don't give you a minute's rest. And I just want to shine a spotlight. I don't know if <laughs> anyone can answer, but... Harry Maguire, I wasn't too impressed with his performance um, on Saturday. Is there anything anyone wants to say about it? I think because he got bought for that big price tag. Do you think he's playing on his mind? It's got not even him. I don't Mm. think he's playing, but everyone's gonna target whenever Man United lose. He's Mm. gonna get the brunt of that loss. No, but Mm. it's not even that. I'm just seeing like little things in his game that. Like what though? Like just on the stretch, is he is he mobile enough to, to recover? You get what I'm <laughs> That's not his game. That's not his, we all know that so, he's not a mobile. If, if, my problem is if you're buying a defender for eighty mil, you expect them no. to be that complete but package. They can't have limitations. Because you're comparing them to Van Dijk. You expect them to be a robot. No. We have to be real. But no players are robots. Every player's gonna have their weaknesses. We have to get rate the manager to hide the player's weaknesses. Fair point. Mm. Or not pay 80 yeah. million. <laughs> yeah, I think all in all, uh, very, very positive for, for Eddie Howe yeah, and, a, and Bournemouth. Um, yeah, you, it was a good um, mid-table clash. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Fair point. And I think, yeah, the only negative about Bournemouth was just the size of Jefferson Lerma's shorts. I think he needs to get a size up. Oh, <laughs> but, um, he played well, though. He was... I, I rate that guy. I think mm. he's a top player. I think he just needs to, you his know... His passing is a bit poor, to be honest. No, but, but he's, he's very tenacious. tenacious. He passed very well. very tenacious. He yeah. gets about... And he, so I'm trying he's a to good strangle player. Yeah, I think he just needs... Mm. Just trying to strangle him for diving or something. Mm, I think he gets a lot of yellows. He gets a lot of yellows. He plays on the edge, but people have said Bournemouth are lacking that sort of mm. play. So at least yeah, he brings that sort of edge. I think he's had 17 yellow cards from the start of last season, which is just incredible. And a speeding fine. <laughs> so he, he lives on the edge. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he does, he does. Also, Nathan Ake is good. Yeah, he's going to say that. Oh, he's yeah. very good. Top, yeah. He's not talent no more. Well, he's a top player. Yeah, he's, yeah, a, he's, a, he's course, a really good centre back. So moving on now, um, it was a clash at Goodison Park between Everton and Spurs. Uh, 
ended in a 1-1 draw. Um, obviously, Spurs went up um, first with uh, a goal from Deli Alli. Um, Everton then equalised. Uh, we saw some horrific scenes. Mm. Um, you know, uh, uh, Andre Gomez uh, off the back of that son it's on Aurea kind of collision mm. kind of thing uh, good news is of course um, uh, Everton released uh, an update and said that he successfully passed uh, went through surgery, surgery. and whatnot, mm. and he's going to make a full recovery uh, Recovery. Good. so good that's, that's mm. really really good to hear um, but what are your thoughts on the game guys? I, I don't want to sound like a negative <laughs> Nancy I think people are going to think I'm on one today but again I think it was two poor teams um, when I watched Should Tottenham I'm not. I like Tottenham, so I'm gonna. I'm <laughs> gonna be alright with them. But mm. I just feel that there's just something lacking. When I watch Tottenham, there's no pace in their play. I mean, Ericsson, he was, he yeah, was he bad. Was he, he was, was poor. poor. <laughs> Me and Fresh were exchanging texts, and he was just poor. shocking. I think Dele Ali had a good game. Um, it was a nothing game for me, in, in my opinion, and I feel that. Tottenham will be really, really fortunate if they're finishing the top four this season because I can't see it personally. To be honest, mm. that game was... You could see two teams that were lacking confidence. Mm. I mean, Tottenham, they weren't their usual selves. Usually, when I watch a good Tottenham team in their prime, they're pressing, they're yeah. running around. But this team, it's not the they same. were lacking. But let's remember, they were missing Harry Kane as well. He's a big... Yeah, yeah but Dej, how many times have we said Tottenham look better without, without Harry Kane? So I don't think that's I'm not a good sure enough I buy into that. I don't, I don't really subscribe to that um, thought, to be honest. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true, it's true. But what I would say is that Tottenham... They're in a big, big crisis, so they're getting mm. themselves out of Ooh, it. Yeah. This is all about small wins for them. You know, mm. going to Anfield, they gave a good account of themselves for periods of the game. Mm -hmm. Going to Goodison and getting a point, they need to try and kickstart yeah, their season. Mm. You know, and look, that's what they're doing. It looks like the Champions League final broke them. And mm. I don't like. I mm. don't mean to be flippant, but it looks like the mm. the cycle of their team. They, they all know as a group that they're not yes. going to get to a bigger stage than and that, that yeah. and they mm. got there and they fell mm. just short and it's it's so so difficult I think for to them to mentally get themselves mm. back especially mm. you know the gruelling nature of a league campaign you've mm. got to do it week in week out and the other teams just get stronger and stronger all the time um, and I think it there seems to be a sense of staleness there that I didn't quite expect because talent-wise, they it's are the dead. third best team in the league. I don't mm. think there's much debate about mm. that. And they've been I consistently... Think shout, yeah. Mm, yeah. I think mm. I don't know. I think I, I, I really <laughs> like Tottenham's, Tottenham's core, but none of those players are playing to their potential. And I think maybe Kane's played through too many injuries. There are other mm. players in that core now. You mentioned Ericsson, who looked like they wanted moves, didn't get yeah. them. And I think even if it's not even maybe an unprofessionalism thing it's just that so, they feel like this yeah. chapter is kind of Close. done yeah. mm. and everyone's kind of hanging around after the credits have already mm. rolled including maybe Pochettino yeah I run for, sorry sorry for, so I run about 1-0 the sky cameras pan to Marcel Brands in the stands and I was thinking oh, this is it Ever. this is, yeah. is Marcel Silva's farewell <laughs> but you know fortunately <laughs> St. Tosin bailed him out and, and got the equaliser so I think he's safe for one more week at least <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I don't know why they don't utilize Saint Tosin because from what I've seen, he's not really a he's bad a target, player. Man, yeah. You know, people are saying that he had a quality issue, but I think he's got the necessary quality to lead that line for you know a decent amount of time. It's it's like managers these days don't want to use their tools; they just yeah. want to use what is mm. nice or what mm. is a certain brand of football at mm. the moment. They should use their actual tools that they have, and Everton might be in a better position. I think that's a big mm. problem generally with managers is you hire a manager to come in and there are far too many managers, I think, that 
come into a club and just decide he doesn't fit what I want to mm. do. Uh, There's no circumstance in which I'm mm. ever going to play him. Mm. And I've always liked, I think it's more the Italian school of management, actually. I always valued this about Conte. Sarri's very... Sarri's very <laughs> Conte's his favourite. Exactly. <laughs> Can you tell? <laughs> Sarri was counter-cultural in that sense, but a lot of Italian managers, Ancelotti did the same yeah. as well. They He's... come in and they go, what players have I got? Mm. And then they decide from there what formation they're going to mm. play. They have general principles of how they want a team to mm. play, but into, they're they're flexible. Mm. And I think there are too many coaches who are what Mourinho would call fundamentalists. Mm. I I have this system. Yeah. I have this style of play, yeah. and you don't fit that. Yeah. And for whatever reason, it, it's mismanagement really of of very valuable assets. Unless mm. unless they're old or there's a certain problem with the players like they can't they get injured a lot I, I understand totally your view loads of managers these days they're just mm. buying and selling like it's football manager they all but, do it and, and the people above them allow them to do it it's yeah. like they, they mm. accept it's accepted by the people who run clubs that managers are just going to come in and want their own players mm. or want to do their own things the the continuity of club should come from above the manager where yeah. mm-hmm. these long term decisions get made and then you hire a coach who will use these they players talk, yeah. and put them in a position to succeed not yeah. mm-hmm. not say I can use him but not him yeah. and like well he's the second highest earner in the squad I know, I, he doesn't fit what I want to do it's crazy and that's mm. that's why there's so much clubs with major issues mm. because once a manager gets sacked there's a new manager that comes in and says oh something I want, else yeah, yeah. it's yeah. just a cycle that yeah. continues and you end up with like two or three batches yeah. of players yeah. that fit into mm. that bracket yeah. of consecutive yeah. managers and then you've got players on, on big wages yeah. that aren't playing um, and I think whilst we're talking about um, managers not using their, their assets it's a perfect segue into the Arsenal and, and, and yeah. Wolves game yeah. um, because a major talking point uh, before a, a, uh, the, the ball was kicked uh, <laughs> at that game was the fact that Ozil finally started a Premier League game in God knows how mm. long um, but surprisingly, Emery decided not to start Pepe. Um, there were Why is few... that surprising? No, it is surprising. So he hasn't been performing. No, if you're not performing, no matter no, how much wait, it costs, you shouldn't be playing. Let's take out goals and assists. How can, how, can we, how can we... No, but, <laughs> but we do that all the time. We do that all the but time. But that's the metric as no, an attack of your game. What, what I find... But it, it's do. interesting because you would you could, you could could argue that perhaps that was the case... Um, in the in the in the first few weeks or whatever that um, Pepe was playing, but more recently he's he he's been in and amongst the goals and the assists. You know, um, he he opened his account um, in in the Europa League and then in the subsequent games he's. he's yeah, but Bush, he's, the he's, argument he's, is he's he been... can only score when everyone's standing still. They just want to troll today. So that was that was a key talking point around his 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 selection, and obviously as the game transpired um, throughout the game, you know there were different decisions that he made. Uh, another one, uh, most notably, <laughs> that a lot of Arsenal fans seemed be- bewildered by was the the decision to take off Torreira and bring on Bukayo Saka. And 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 when we then uh, conceded the equaliser, I think three minutes after that substitution was made, so a lot of Arsenal fans are left confused as to you know why he's deciding to you know misuse his tools in the way that he he is he he he's doing so. So I just wanted to ask you know you you guys for your thoughts on on the game and and in more what more widely um, the role of uh, Emery at the moment and and, and what you think um, you know, going forward for Arsenal. I think after the Europa League final, I came on this podcast and I said that his position is untenable. 
And a lot of people said to me, oh, Dot, you're too rash, you're mm. too erratic, you need to give him time. And the problem we have in football is that we're just so reactive sometimes. If you can see an issue, why not nip it in the bud straight away before it rears its ugly head? Mm-hmm. And for far too long, Arsenal have been conceding too many shots on their goal. Mm-hmm. I mean, Wolverhampton Wolf Wanderers, <laughs> for them to go to the Emirates... <laughs> And have 25 shots. Yeah. Is that acceptable as an Arsenal fan? Eight on target. Yeah. target. It's poor, but I think Emery I think deserves a bit of time. only had 10 shots. You can't really judge a man, manager mm. after yeah. the season. Yeah, that's, and let's that's, be honest, Wenger was there for 20 odd years. Yeah. So to get rid of that mindset, it's going to take time. Yeah. So if you just fire him after a season, it that's not giving sense. him a fair, you know, yeah, but I, think, I, I think the 18 months that Arsenal fans have given him mm. has been suitable now. 100%. After the summer, they said, okay, We've given you this money to spend now. You brought in mm. the players that, or you've brought in big, big money players now. So let's see what you can do with this. And to be like, how many points behind the Arsenal? Like seven, eight, yeah, <laughs> behind four yeah. with they're eleven s- games. They're played. six points six behind Chelsea, Chelsea and four at the moment. And you wonder whether if they lose against Leicester before the international break. That's nine you know, points. nine points. Would the board pull the trigger? Because I agree. I think you know, Emery yep. now it's getting a bit stale. The feeling is, you know, the same as it was under Wenger yeah, yeah, his yeah. last season. I think all the fans have turned. Even like he just seems to have a disconnect with the fans. Do you know what it Whether is? Whether it's a language barrier, the things he says. Arsenal fans yeah. can already predict mm. games before it happens. Like mm-hmm. this Leicester game, Arsenal. All Arsenal fans think it's a loss. Yeah. How can we be going to Leicester away thinking yeah. it's a loss? And Arsenal are meant to be a major club. That's the big issue. Usually the results we're predicting are coming to fruition. Everyone said, "Oh, Arsenal not going to beat Wolves." And it's just happening. Yeah. I mean, that's the first time, you know, in back-to-back home <laughs> games in the Premier League since 2004 that Arsenal haven't won a game when they've taken a lead. So, I mean, that shows that there's a lot of problems. And when you're not registering a shot after 30 minutes, 32 <laughs> minutes in the league game, it, it is... It's well, when you come back to the question of identity, don't yeah. you? Mm-hmm. Where, like, sorry. sorry, I was just no, going to no, say, no. like, top clubs these days, fans expect managers to imprint a certain style mm. on a club. To, so you so you know what that that team is immediately identifiable as that coach and I think Emery has has not really done that anywhere he's yeah, been to be honest he's been a bit of a chameleon like he he was <laughs> he was at, he, he was at Sevilla and he was successful there because they had a successful model everything else was in place at Sevilla yeah. a really smartly run club and he plugged into that and did mm. well PSG was a bit more of a soap opera and he couldn't <laughs> he couldn't manage the yeah. the top stars there mm. and I think he's had a combination of both at Arsenal where he's maybe not managed the big players very well mm. I think he's mismanaged the Özil situation he's not the only person to blame for that but he's mm. definitely mismanaged it and he's also at a club that is not structurally well run there mm. are not people above him making coherent but, decisions mm. and this. he's not he's not making that better he's not and able I, to cover that up and I think this whole like Shaka situation has detracted away from the mess that Arsenal <laughs> are actually in on the pitch and it's like Shaka is indicative to Emery's reign and it all <laughs> yeah yeah he's basically Unai Emery on the pitch and the fans have just had enough. Although I don't agree with the abuse that the fans gave him, I don't think you should ever boo off any of your players. And I think Shaka was entitled to react um, the way he reacted. But I just feel that, as you said, like there should be some sort of philosophy straight mm-hmm. away. From minute one, you should see a style yeah. of play. And I think Arsenal fans would have accepted poor results if they see some sort of style of play. Fresh, correct me if yeah, I'm wrong. Yeah. If, but with Arsenal, there's if, no style at the I'll moment. say if it was like with Arsenal fans were playing attacking football and losing games, 
but they can see, oh, we're creating chances. We're just not finishing our chance. They will accept it. So they could see a process. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Like, like yeah. Chelsea, Chelsea at the moment. Obviously, Chelsea are doing better than what they were doing a few months ago. Mm. So the fans are more happy about mm. it. But at the beginning of Lampard's reign, still... they saw, okay, we're creating chances mm. against Liverpool. Oh, it was close. We could have won. I think Arsenal fans would have been happy with that, but with Emery, you just don't see anything that's going on. You can just see that it's not going to end well as well. There's noises coming out from the camp that the players are mocking him and stuff (laughs) like that. When you get those sort of rumours, you just know that there's no no way back from that. He's gone past the point of return. And what I find find particularly worrying is that we're already off the pace now. Mm. You mentioned six points off Chelsea. But we're gonna we're gonna come to a very very sticky run of fixtures mm, coming up December. fairly soon. I'm just looking at the, uh, the you, you know we've got back to back City at home, then Everton away, then Bournemouth away, then Chelsea at home, yeah. then United at home, then Palace away, then th- Sheffield United at home. You know we. We'll, we'll I think they would have sacked him last by time. Then. You could take a Tonkin away at Leicester. I think he might have to go. But this is the issue you have with United as well, which is that even if you do. Second. sack the guy in charge do you put any faith in the people above him to pick the right guy to come mm. in yeah but I think Arsenal's setup has improved over the years I think you know Rouse and Lahi that's doing a you know great yeah, job upstairs I, I feel that they, they've got the you know the building blocks in, mm. in place now and now they just need a manager to translate that onto the pitch mm. Mm. it's just the coach they're going to go for so, so what do you think about the rumours linking Arsenal with Jose Mourinho <laughs> w- would you take him I think Budgewoods, you know. Nah, I, no, the nah. thing is, okay, let's be... I, I don't want to sell myself. If Arsenal, if Arsenal, <laughs> if Arsenal <laughs> want to take Jose Mourinho... Mourinho would be amazing. Have, he'd be, <laughs> he'd be he great, wouldn't he? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it'd be incredible. It'd be incredible. I think he would do a job. No, no, you no, think no, so? Yeah, what type no, of job? A really good job. Defensively? Yeah. I think... You, Ch- I will hate. I will hate to play Arsenal. Yes, that's what it is. It'll be Arsenal. I don't think you win the league. The, the thing about Arsenal, soon. if Mourinho is nah, going to join Arsenal, mm. Arsenal fans have to take him full hide. That's it can't thing. be I, like, oh, yeah, someone yeah, him out, yeah, someone yeah. him. Football oh. fans are fickle. Free results. No, no beat Tottenham. <laughs> beat Tottenham, you'll be a hero. Think if, <laughs> think if Mourinho gets the Arsenal job, the queue for the first interview with Arsene Wenger will be around the block. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. honestly, yeah. I can. I can only imagine that one. Right. Okay. So let's 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 move on. Um, Sheffield uh, hosted Burnley and won three. Now it looks like they're really making Bramwell Lane a fortress, yeah, aren't they? At the moment, they just got a smile on his team. I've always said Sheffield United. What they're doing is remarkable. Yeah. And I think a few weeks ago I said that if Chelsea finish in the top four, Lampard will be manager of the year. But in my opinion, if Chris Wilder finishes in in the top ten or eleven then he has to be the manager of the year. Mm. I mean, that back three again, I keep repeating. <laughs> Egan, Basham and O'Connell. They were bought for, I think, maybe less than four million. Two from Brentford. One came from maybe Blackpool or so. Um, I mean, the unit is so yeah. cohesive, man. Best defence in the league right now. Yeah, so you have to give them credit. I mean, I don't think they've lost away from home this season. Whoa. They're in Liverpool, so... Who, need, who needs fullbacks when you've got overlapping centre-backs? Yeah, so, I mean, Chris Wilder, when you see him, I think old-fashioned long ball, but when you actually watch Sheffield United, yeah, they, play. they play football. Then let's not forget about the midfield trio. I mean, Lundstrom. John Fleck getting I've his first goal. I've been talking about John Fleck. Lundstrom, Norwood. He's a good there. player. That Lundstrom. He, he gets I me think, so much fantasy <laughs> play. I think... He got his, his class as a defender, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think like, it's funny because like if I had to pick out one player that's Premier League quality, it will be Lundstrom. Yeah, the rest of top. them, I think they're what top in Championship, yeah. would you say? And what they're doing yeah, is just amazing. amazing. And my question is to you guys: is that why isn't Chris Wilder linked with you know better jobs? 
I think he hasn't got that Premier League, you mm. know, credibility. Yeah. He's just still in his embryonic stages mm. in this league. Yeah, and give it time. Yeah, mm. definitely. So people have been mentioning him for the Arsenal job. <laughs> I think that's jumping the gun <laughs> quite. It's like, fresh would you take him? Boy, would you take him? You know what? He's an inventive I, I manager, think, right? Yeah, he's inventive. Do you know what? I, I would I would actually take him. Imagine David oh, over Emery. Over Emery, I'll take yeah. him over Emery. I'm not the even joking. Why, why do we look at Chris Wilder like he's no, some sort no, no. of dinosaur? Mm. Like, he's, that he's that man is a plan. Yeah, Honestly, yeah, yeah. I'll take yes. him over Emery. 100%. Imagine David Luiz bombing down the right wing. <laughs> <laughs> he does it already. <laughs> he does, he does. This would just be within a system. Fair, fair point. So let, no, let, but Burnley as well. We have yeah, to touch on them. Yeah, but we touch that. I mean, no away wins in eight games. I mean, it's poor. But again, I think Burnley will be okay. Have they hit a plateau? I think they're just going to be that just average that Premier League team. team. Yeah, fifteenth, fourteenth. Yeah, that's just them. Um, let's move on now. Um, so Palace hosted Leicester at Sellers Park. Um, Leicester took all three points a customary uh, Jamie Vardy goal um, <laughs> do you know what I saw something really really I saw some, someone post something really interesting the, the other day about um, you know ever since that whole issue with Rebecca, Rebecca Vardy came out apparently he scored like five since then he scored five goals in three games and the people, people were just saying like this guy is just he's a, he just loves chaos like he's a do you know what I mean yeah, he's the a fans national keep treasure him. yeah you know they keep singing oh your wife is yeah, a cross yeah, yeah. and he just he's responding so well to it yeah but you know? Vardy just, loves that he just wants to <laughs> shut up everyone yeah. you know typical, just, typical lad in yeah, it yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> I love again I think Dej is going to have egg on his face at the end of the season I said Brendan Rodgers <laughs> he's a tier two manager. He's a top top manager, and I think this Leicester team—they're my second club. I'm gonna nail my colours to the mask. They're my second <laughs> club personally, and I just feel that Tillemans, Madison, Iosi Perez, Chilwell, Pereira. I just think so Barnes is so an much... underrated player. I keep on saying it. There's that so Harvey much... Barnes is a good. To player. be really fair, there's an avalanche still, of talent. I'm still not sold that they'll make top four. Mm. I mean, Crystal Palace. Let's be honest, their home record is wretched. Mm. Let's be real, but for Leicester to go there and put them to the sword, it was an impressive yeah, performance. But, particularly... but who's who's beat them at home, Ted? No, but when you look at their home record <laughs> over the last twelve months or so, mm. they're a, a counter-attacking team. They do their damage on the road. Mm. I still see them being safe this season. Again, when they get the results, Wilfred Zaha he needs to be playing. And mm. you know, in the last few games, he hasn't he turned up delivered. to the party. He hasn't so. delivered. To be fair, he's having a pretty bad season. Mm. That's why he needs yeah. to deliver. But he's just, their main man. He gets penalties. He gets too goals. much. That's what he does. Just mm. gets their penalties, and that's it. Like, I think he'll get... play well against Chelsea. Shop window game. <laughs> mm. yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. Very, very he said that about Arsenal, and he wasn't amazing. So mm. Mm. So he won the penalty though. That's what he does. Yeah, that's yeah, what he, he does. Tackle bag when Dizzy is on. Fair point. Right. So let's move on really quickly. Let's sum up Brighton's two 0 win against Norwich at the Amex. Any guys' general thoughts on on Brighton? You know, we've been speaking uh, at length in recent weeks about Graham Potter and the, the brilliant job that he's doing. Um, more of the same? Yeah, I remember a few weeks ago, um, someone on this podcast said that, you know, Graham Potter may do something like Chris Hutton never done and take them down to the championship. But I feel that Brighton... <laughs> 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 again, again, when you look at it, Shots. Football, football is fickle. Two wins. Oh, they're the best manager since sliced bread. Mm. Come on, that's 38 games, man. He's mm. won two games. Mm. Fair enough. But I still see Brighton Going losing down. games. And yeah, I still think they'll go down. No, I don't think Brighton. I feel... I think there's three worst teams. Yeah, I mm. think Norwich are gone. Mm. Um... 
Watford are in a yeah. terrible situation. Yeah, they're not winning games, so. And I think this Brighton team, I think attacking-wise, they've got enough in their armoury to, to score goals and win games. So I think that's the reason why they'll be safe. And also, let's think about Norwich as well. They're, they're abject size. I know you can only <laughs> beat what's in front of you, yeah. but Norwich, they're gone. They're going <laughs> to get caught adrift. But these are the teams' goals are dried up. Those are the teams mm. that you have to, those teams have to beat like, yes, when yes. they're there and there for the taking. Take those three points. Mm. And that's what um, Brighton have done. Fair point. Um, and then the final game to, to review was uh, between West Ham and, and Newcastle. Newcastle went on, 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 the, on their travels to the London Stadium. Um, an interesting one because uh, Newcastle went, what was it, 3 0 up and then and, and then conceded two. Two goals from two headers from two central defenders. That's typical not something Newcastle. that we, uh, we, we, we see every week. Um, but yeah, it's not typical that, Newcastle because this season they haven't scored from set pieces, funnily enough. So oh, that was their mm. first time and it came good. in clusters as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, again, when yeah. you watch teams, you might think stereotypical, Steve yeah, Bruce, yeah, but yeah, yeah. that was their first time from mm. um, set pieces this season. But to be fair, that West Ham goalkeeper, Roberto, <laughs> I think he's like tier five or tier six. I mean, when you've got a goalkeeper like Fabianski, he's a tier yeah, two t- goalkeeper. Yeah. And when you go the to Roberto, to I mean, the free kick from Shelby was, was it, pathetic. It's interesting you say that because I know a West Ham season ticket holder and he said that, you know, the time that Fabianski has been out of the team, it's made him notice that he's their best player by a mile. He's so important to them. But for me, I think the bigger concern is that Manuel Pellegrini should be under some sort of pressure. I feel that he's a top manager, but he's not getting results. And West Ham started the season so well, I thought, wow, they're going to make a push for top six. And recently, it's what, three defeats in a row, which ain't good enough, in my opinion. They've got a lot of talent, West Ham. They've yeah, got they a do. lot of players that I like, particularly creative players. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't be having problems scoring goals, mm-hmm. particularly against the rest Love in the Premier yeah. League. Mm-hmm. And I actually thought they were part of that sort of five-team next league below the um, big six. And I thought they had a decent chance of coming top of that league. I thought mm-hmm. them and Leicester were the teams I liked most mm-hmm. going into I the agree. season and very disappointing so far. I mean, since that defeat to Crystal Palace, they've seemed to have hit a plateau, mm. you know, going away and putting in a tepid performance against Everton, <laughs> you know, again, losing at home. Those are your bread and butter wins if you want to do mm. well in the Premier League. And to allow Newcastle to score mm. three goals is... Oh, yeah. That it's takes some goals. They should have had more. I, mm, I they should have yeah. had more. Way three, two more. flatters yeah, in West Ham. Yeah. Alarm bells when you're conceding three goals to Newcastle. <laughs> Especially so, so maximum was missing like sitters. Yeah, 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 but let's let's give Steve Bruce some credit. I've come onto this podcast several <laughs> times and I'm like, we use him as a as a stick to beat. I mean, <laughs> the thing is with Steve Bruce, he's got a stigma that he's a terrible manager. But really and truly, when you look at his track record, he's done decent. He's not as bad as what everyone thinks. I know he's got that you know, dinosaur sort of mentality where he goes to top teams and he just defends, defends, defends. But he's using his tools well. And Newcastle are doing decent in the Premier League this season. So mm. let's give him the credit. Mm, they're where they're expected to be. I, I, still think, mm. I still think he's a fringe championship Premier League manager, to be honest. I still see them being in a bit of trouble. Mm. But again, he's doing a good job for what he's doing now. And if Benitez was there, would he be doing a similar job? I'm not sure. 
Also, Alan St. Maximin is a lot of fun. Yeah, he is. I watched him. <laughs> I saw it in the first eight minutes against Chelsea. The first two times he got the ball, he beat William with a step over. And then the second time he got the ball, he tried an elastico. <laughs> I'm sold. I'm all in. That's the criteria of the play is that he doesn't know what he's going to do next. And that's why it's exciting to watch. Yeah, him. I like him. I've got stocks in him. I like him. Fair point. So, so now we've, we've uh, had a chance to review the games. We're going to go into um, uh, uh, a segment that we introduced a, a few a few weeks ago, um, which is the uh, unpopular opinion. So every week now, um, one of us will share an unpopular opinion um, and 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 put it out to uh, everybody else on, on Twitter and on our social um, media profiles just to get your thoughts on um, on on whether or not you agree with the unpopular opinion. So last week I think it was um, it was Dej. Two it's weeks ago. Oh, two weeks it was mm. Dej. Okay, so is it is it two weeks in a row then? No, no, it's me because obviously last, last week we, we had we that. Oh yeah, 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 fine, yeah. fine. Mm. Okay, absolutely fine. So go ahead, um, go ahead, dot. Uh, yeah, <laughs> let us let us know what is your um, unpopular opinion this week. I don't week? know. I changed the last minute, but um, so my unpopular opinion is if. Unai Emre was to be sacked tomorrow by the Arsenal hierarchy, Eddie Howe should be at the top of the wish list. Um, I feel that he's a manager that's been hugely underrated. And I feel that if he was, you know, Spanish or Portuguese, (laughs) everybody would say, give Eddie Howe the Arsenal job. But I think because he's English, there's some sort of stereotype attached to him. But he's a really, really good manager. And I feel that if you put him in the environment to flourish... And it seems that Arsenal are starting to create a good, you know, direction upstairs. He can be a manager that can propel them back into the top four, in my opinion. Mm, I think Eddie yeah, Howe, with take. Eddie Howe, he seems to have this stigma attached to him. I remember when he went to Burnley and it didn't quite work out. So people obviously think, you know what, he's a homeboy. He needs to be in Bournemouth. So, But as you said, over his time in the Premier League, he's done a sterling job with Bournemouth, mm. keeping them up. And they play nice, expansive football. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I've spoken to a lot of United fans and they say, you know what, we'll take Eddie Howe ahead of Solskjaer. So he needs to take that next step up. Whether Arsenal is too big of a jump, I would like to see him with like an Everton. Yeah, but I don't you think Bournemouth and Everton, it's not... No, I think there's definitely a big difference, especially with the purchasing power of Everton. They can mm. afford a better type of player. Mm. The doubt I have about how at a bigger club is that he's he's kind of the Wenger of Bournemouth, mm. where where he's got so much power over every aspect of that club, including mm. recruitment. His his decision goes basically Mm. and I don't think he'd get that level of say particularly with his current pedigree he wouldn't get that going into his first top mm, job and I'd be interested to see how he would cope with that I don't think he's ever going to leave Bournemouth personally I don't think he's going to leave I think he's happy you know when you're comfortable at your place of work you've got every single tool whatever you want you Mm. can get you Mm. know I can see him going England getting the England gig leaving Bournemouth I think he wants to build Bournemouth like Mm. build their stadium Mm. build that you know what I mean like Mm. build them up but without investment you can't take them any further but no, but he's Bournemouth getting do invest. invest. They invest a lot of he's money. Getting, I mean, getting, they, how much did they shell out on Dominic Solanke? Must yeah, have been 20, like twenty million. 20, so yeah. they do invest. So that they every single year they're staying in the Premier League, they're getting more revenue, mm. getting mm-hmm. bi- making the club mm. a bit bigger. Mm. So soon we're probably going to see Bournemouth saying they want to build a bigger stadium. I think he's happy in his environment. So 
that he leaves fair, fair point again as always we're going to put it out to everyone else as well and see what um what, what you guys uh, think and feel on, on, on that particular uh, topic. Now, to finalise, I know we're deep, deep, deep into clock time. Jürgen time. Jürgen time. Nice, Fergie, man. Stop. Nice, Fergie time, man. I think this last week, Fresh, you've seen it as well. Regulate, go midweek. We're going to finish up really, really quickly with the prospect of the week. So just a reminder that the prospect of the week is not a good thing. It is a seasoned pro or person within the game who is, um, you know, uh, uh, making some clangers in terms of the decisions that they're making, uh, poor passes, overhit crosses, uh, bad challenges and all the rest of it. Um, so really quickly, guys, um, I don't know who wants to kick things off. Let us know who your prospect of the week is. I'm going to have to go for Manuel Pellegrini. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, this was a manager early on this season. We were rating. We were saying he's a tier two manager. Mm. He's got a decent squad at um, West Ham. You know, Felipe Anderson, Halle was firing. But in the last month, he seems to have hit the buffers. Players aren't performing. They had two key home games against Sheffield United and Newcastle. And when you look at those games before the start of the season, you say, you know what? This has to be four points minimum. Mm. Six points, we should look to get that. Mm-hmm. And they've only yielded, what, one point from those two games, mm-hmm. conceding like four four goals. Shocking. I mean, it's embarrassing, but I think, yeah, Manuel Pellegrini, you're my prospect of the week. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to continue the theme of managers. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go over to North London. Um, and I'm going to call that Una Emery. <laughs> I'm not really going to say much because I'm going to sound like a broken record, but mm. I just feel that his position has officially become untenable. Mm. And I feel that Arsenal, they're, they're in the doldrums. I said it earlier this season, I feel that they're in the doldrums and I don't see it getting better under his tutelage. So Una Emery, if you're listening, <laughs> you're my prospect of the week. <laughs> Alright, first you want to... Um, mine was going to be a funny one from the championship. I saw a clip today of right. of Jonathan Woodgate saying something <laughs> about the table... The, the table does lie, like he was saying. <laughs> Seriously? I think because Borough are... Like, yeah, no, yeah, they're struggling. They're struggling with points. Yeah. So he was trying to Just say, people fact. say that the table doesn't lie, but the table does lie. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. He's reinventing the wheel. Yeah. Fair, fair, fair point as a left field one yeah. um, how about you Liam what are your thoughts I'll probably stick with managers and go with Kike Sanchez Flores I think he looks oh, like Hugh Laurie and he's managing a bit like him <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's being done any favours by, um, by by his players but mm. watching them against Chelsea they conceded an early goal great goal but then sort of tried to press Chelsea for the next 10-15 minutes exhausted themselves and should have lost five or six nil before yeah. the VAR check. Yeah. So I'd, I think there, there wasn't much sense of a, a real tactical plan there and mm. Watford fans should be pretty worried. Wood, what's uh, your prospect? Is it VAR? We haven't mentioned it. That could be an interesting one, to yeah. be honest. But yeah. I think we, we can speak at length. Yeah, no, we're trying to not mention yeah, VAR on this yeah, podcast yeah. anymore. We, yeah. Um, but my, I would share the same view as you. Um, Unai Emery, for obvious reasons, has to be the prospect of the week. Um, so we're going to leave it there. Of course, we've, we, you know, we're, we've. Uh, I'm looking at, at Dot, and he's looking at me, and he's like, look, yeah. touching it. Yeah. He's, he's watching. Uh, I've been touching it for yeah. about fifty minutes now. <laughs> <laughs> 
So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna end things there. Um, we want to say a massive thank you to our, our our special guest Liam. Amazing. Thank you for for for, for taking the time Definitely. out to Thanks, come down man. and join us. Yeah. Pleasure to be here, guys. Uh, appreciate it. Um, and we've got to do it again sometime 100%. soon. Um, listeners, thank you very what much about for fresh? listening. Oh, fresh of course, fresh is part of the yeah, family. Yeah, family, of course, of course. And this has been long time coming as well, isn't it? No, we appreciate you coming on, fresh as well. We're the old familiar faces, it's part of the furniture. Um, so thank you very much, listeners, for listening up until this point. We hope you we've enjoyed the episode. Um, and as always, we're going to put things out to you guys to hear your thoughts and views on, on the topics that we covered um, over the pod. Um, if you're not yet following us on Twitter, please make sure that you do. It's at podcast underscore TBG. Please also follow us on Instagram at pod underscore TBG. Um, big things coming, so make sure you're, you're following on all platforms so you can uh, keep up to speed with everything that's happening. Um, you can also uh, c- um, listen to our episodes on, on SoundCloud, on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. If you are using Apple Podcasts, please make sure you leave a five star review um, and continue to engage with us on Twitter using the hashtag TBG pod. Um, as always, we always welcome uh, engagement. It always helps to uh, grow and, 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 and move the platform in, in, in the right direction. So thank you very much again. Um, um, uh, I'll, I'll be here before we before we forget we also want to plug our own individual t- uh, Twitter handles so we can go around the room and, and, and do so do you want to start off start with Fresh start off oh, mine is Boss Axe on Twitter that's B-O-S-S-A-K-Z okay uh, I'm Budge Laguna B-U-J-T-H-E-G-O-O-N-E I'm oh. Dej <laughs> oh, I'm at Dej underscore TBG so All that's the times. Yeah, six times mm. Champions League, you know. <laughs> you know, I like to put a lot of Liverpool stuff, you know, praising Liverpool, doing a few yeah. retweets and <laughs> getting on everyone's nerves. So yeah, Dej underscore TBG. Uh, Liam underscore Toomey, T-W-O-M-E-Y, mad Irish name, no one ever gets it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm LFC Nino. Thank, brilliant. All right, so I'm looking over at Dot. F- f- thumbs up. Brilliant. Thank you very much, listeners. Over and out. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. 
Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.